everyone and welcome to the First Thing You Think Of podcast. I'm Olivia, the founder of La Casa de las Lenguas magazine, a bi-monthly magazine about languages and cultures. And my name's Ellie and I'm the founder of the travel brand One Globe 360. So today we're kind of looking at a lot of things. We're looking at uh, India as a traditional country and their customs and their way of life. Because I think um, a lot of uh, stereotypes and misunderstandings, not just in terms of India, but a lot of countries exist around their way of life. And it's more often than not because their way of life is quite different to ours here in the UK and other countries like the US, Canada, you know, countries that I think a lot of people subconsciously kind of see as better. If you get what I mean, mm-hmm. I don't know if that's the right word, but I guess no, I- more like developed. I think people yeah. see it as that. So the, the perceptions are interesting, aren't they? Um, yeah. You know, and um, I guess we'll start with this question. You know, would you consider India to be a traditional country which values its customs and traditions? And, you know, I know you mentioned the UK and the US. You know, how do you think this compares to the UK and other countries like the US? I personally do think of India as quite a traditional country. You know, it's, it's very, very religious. And I think um, a lot of people if a country is very religious, I think people do consider it as being quite traditional. Mm -hmm. Um, But I do think for some people, there is this thing of if a country is very religious, I think some people think that it's outdated. Um, And I think that's more so with countries, like I'm thinking now of of countries, like some countries in the Middle East, and I'm thinking of like, you know, where homosexuality is illegal. I think people tend to make the comparison or the link with that because they think oh if a country is really really religious then they know that stuff like that happens and they think oh well it must be outdated but I don't think that's the case with India or with a lot of countries really I think it's just that you know they still value their religion and their, their way of life and they you know like with I think with like the UK for example religion doesn't play as big of a role and you know like it does in India and it's just the way that a country develops isn't it Mm -hmm. oh yeah definitely and um you know from my experience visiting India it it was clear to see you know it it was and of course is still a very traditional country uh, which does value its customs and traditions and that was clear to see you know through religion um and just their way of life really you know in terms of how people live their lives and um what's around them you know the the temples and and everything that's associated with religion and uh people's you know the culture and and that was really clear to see and it was it was great to be a part of really albeit you know short term just for a month you know it was really really interesting to be part of you know a very traditional country um and immersing yourself really in those customs and traditions and um you know educating yourself and and understanding them Um, and that's something I really tried to do when I was in India I saw it as you know really important to understand you know the traditions and and uh, the way of life so yeah for sure from my experience it was yeah very clear to see just how traditional you know um the country is and and it's maintained its traditions and customs for you know centuries uh, such a long time so so much deep-rooted customs and traditions that are still maintained you know in the present day yeah and I found it interesting uh, to find out that India's culture is among one of the oldest in the world. It's believed that um, civilization in India began about uh, 4,500 years ago. And many sources describe it as, and I'm completely going to say this wrong, Sa Prathama 
Sanskriti Vishvavara, which is the first and the supreme culture in the world, according to the All World. Agatri Pariwa, oh God, AWGP, he's got in brackets, so go with that <laughs> organization. And yeah, I didn't know that, but I don't know about you, but it, thinking about it now, it doesn't surprise me that India's got one yeah. of the oldest cultures in the world. It doesn't surprise me either, to be honest. Um, yeah, it doesn't surprise me. Um, but wow, 4,500 years ago, they believe that you know civilization in India began. And um, yeah, it, it doesn't surprise me, really. Um, when thinking about all the customs, all the traditions, the, the history, um, you know, the deep rooted history and um, to, to India's culture and religion and, um, and, you know, customs. Yeah, I wouldn't say it surprises me. Do you think it doesn't surprise you because of how prevalent things like the festivals, the religion, mm-hmm. the history still is in their country. Yeah, I definitely think so. I think obviously it was so clear to see from when I went there a couple of years ago, um, just how how prevalent the, the you know, how much of a, a focus there there is, remains, you know, such a focus on, on the culture, religion, way of life, festivals, traditions, um, customs. Yeah, so I would say the fact it's so prevalent now it means I'm not surprised that it's been that way for such a long time. Yeah, I like that's what I thought. Like, I think that's why it doesn't surprise me. I think more so if it was the other way around and things like that weren't so prevalent in the society anymore, then that would surprise me more than, than the fact that it is, um, personally. So according to um, an anthropologist at Barnet and Southgate College in London, and I think I've touched on it a little bit. Western societies haven't always had a favourable view of India. Early anthropologists, they used to consider culture as kind of um, an evolutionary process. And every aspect of human development was seen as driven by evolution. So consequently, societies outside of Europe or North America, societies that don't follow the European and Western way of life, were considered uh, primitive and culturally inferior. Essentially, this included all the colonised countries and people such as African countries, India and the Far East. And when I was thinking about this, I was wondering, does it still exist today in some aspects? Personally, I think that it does, but it's more subconscious. What do you think? Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to figure out what I think, really. Um, the world of sort of anthropology and in talking to sort of about evolutionary pro processes um in terms of talking about culture i haven't really thought about it like that before um i don't know what what do you think i think it it does and i think it's more um it's more subconscious yeah, I think, I, yeah yeah we see their way of life and what's um highlighted to me now is um oh, you know, with like all the coronavirus in India and yeah. um, the situation with that and their tradition, isn't it, to um, something with the Ganges? I can't remember exactly. Yeah. Um, but they do that with the bodies. And I know um, my grandparents have been saying things about that and how it's not very nice and stuff like that. And I think it's because we have this subconscious thing that us as a country are better and I maybe with Britain it goes back to like the British Empire and stuff like that I'm not too sure um but I think subconsciously it's ingrained in us and I think because our societies are so different to those in that part of the world that we just think ours is better and theirs is worse 
and I do I, think it's subconscious. Yeah, I, I do think the the difference is highlighted. I think some people think being different is it being wrong, if that makes sense. It's yeah. almost as if there's one way, but actually that's not the case. There are many ways to do things with regards to religion or traditions or customs or festivals, you know. Um, so maybe there's that mindset, you know, oh, it's different, so it's wrong, or it's different, so it's, oh, that's not right. Whereas, you know, obviously, like I said, that's not the case. Things can be different and can be, you know, accepted and um, understood. Um, and maybe, yeah, there, there are obviously some 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 contrasts between the UK and India in terms of, um, you know, religion and festivals and customs and traditions. Um, but I think really the main thing for me is just to continue educating myself about those things. Because even though yeah. I've been to India and I spent a month there, I really didn't even probably learn a couple of percent about about all the everything I could about you know the the topic of today's podcast which is of course traditions and customs so um yeah that perspective is it's interesting isn't it yeah and this I was just thinking this now and this is another interesting perspective is do you think people in India look at our culture and society here in the UK or others which are similar to us and think the same as what some people do about them um yeah, I'm sure there are things that we do here in the UK that they think, oh my goodness, that that seems quite quite different, or that seems quite um, I don't know, I don't want to say odd, but you know, I think different. They probably do look at us as a country, and think, oh, that that's quite different, or that's like that's not what we do. I'm sure they have observations like that. Um, I think that's a, that's the way with every country. Yeah. I mean, I look to Spain. I look to Spain, for example, and you know the festival La Tomatina. In yeah. um, Buñol, just outside of Valencia, I think it is, and um, it, it's like the, the biggest food fight of like throwing tomatoes at each other in the street. Like to me, that's so different and like just very unique, you know. And and that's a country that you'd probably say is, I mean, fairly similar to the UK. So even when you take UK and India, you know, if you think geographically, just how far away we are in terms of um, you know distance. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm sure they look at us, you know, India look at us and, and think maybe about our food or our language or our culture you know it's interesting it'd be interesting to to talk to someone from India and see what observations they have about the UK and what they mention I think that'd be really interesting yeah um because it's it's difficult for us to say you know oh they do or they don't but it would be interesting wouldn't it Uh, like you know, as I was saying, I think it's subconscious that we tend to think that the UK is better. Do they tend to think that the India is better than, than the UK? You know, is it is it just something that everyone from every country just has this observation, you know, subconsciously that their country is better? Or is it something yeah. that's been deep-rooted in us throughout history for various reasons, you know? Which is, yeah, they'd be interesting to, you know, talk to someone about. Uh, what I thought would be it's a very short part here, but I thought it'd be quite interesting to just discuss a little bit. Is there traditional clothing? Because mm-hmm. I um, remember, I think it was about a year ago now when I saw this, was um, the Canadian Prime Minister, Justin Trudeau, he went to India with his family and the whole time he wore, I don't know exactly what it was, but he wore like traditional Indian uh, clothes. And people were saying that... Um, you know, he was more Indian than an Indian because although they were traditional Indian clothes, 
um, you know, not everyone goes around wearing them 24-7. And um, I think someone said that they were wedding clothes and he was wearing them, all of his family were wearing them all the time. And it was quite funny, actually. I found it particularly funny when they said he was more Indian than an Indian. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, I think that just, it, it puts it into perspective, doesn't it, that, you know, not everyone dresses that way all the time, isn't it? Yeah, again, it's it's stereotypes, isn't it? People having a stereotype that perhaps an Indian person dresses that way all the time or some of the time or... Um, I mean, clothing in itself is something I... It's not one of the first things I think of when I think of India, but now I'm thinking about it. I can't understand how I haven't thought about it before, really, because clothing is a big part of, I think, India's identity. Um, yeah. And, you know, I know when I was in India... Um, we got the opportunity to to wear a sari, um, which is, of course, yeah. like traditional clothing um, that a, a woman wears. Um, and that was fascinating. It was so I felt really like grateful to be able to. I don't know. It sounds weird for me to say grateful because obviously it's just I was wearing a sari. But the we went to this uh, local village and they did henna. They did, you know, the henna tattoos. They did the henna tattoos. Yeah. And um, they also, yeah, they had these saris for us to wear. Um, and, you know, just even how like the saris worn and put on, you know, all the different clips and, um, you know, keeping it together. And obviously you've got the sort of scarf that sort of comes over the shoulder and you could see they were taking such detail in, in making sure that we were wearing it correctly and that we felt comfortable. And um, it was just fascinating. I felt really, it was a really cool thing to be able to do. Um, and yeah, it, I mean, the clothing, like I said, a massive part of identity. I think in terms of um, I think anywhere really, but I think especially in India. Um, but should I go on and sort of give a bit of summary about the yeah, clothing? Yeah. There are many different in, uh, different traditional Indian clothes, but perhaps the most notable is the colourful silk saris, which I just which I just mentioned, uh, worn by many of the country's women. A tradi- traditional piece of clothing for the men is a dhoti. Again, I apologise for my pronunciation. I think that's dhoti, which is an unstitched piece of cloth which is tied around the waist and legs. So, do you think we can sometimes sort of see this and think everyone dresses this way all the time and and what's important to keep in mind when looking at aspects of culture like this yeah it's just like nobody is going to dress like that all the time and I don't know why with India people tend to think that I think people do generally just tend to think that they do and maybe it's just because they they are traditional countries or maybe people think that they, they do wear it all the time but for me it seems like quite clear like I know with the the Welsh traditional dresses like I, I would not wear that every day like you know I think the last time I wore that was about six and you haven't seen me in it again since you know <laughs> you wouldn't go to Scotland and see people wearing kilts all the time would you yeah no um, you're so right yeah yeah and that it seems so obvious isn't it so why is it with with India do people tend to think that they do? And I've got to be honest, I, I'm sure there was a time that I thought it as well. Yeah, yeah. No, I'm, I'm sure the same for myself. Um, I'm trying to think, I mean, perhaps the media or films, how yeah, film how media, yeah. are portrayed in films um, and the deliberate choice of, of costumes, you know, what the, the actors wear potentially. Um, yeah. The media, I don't know. Um, but I would say films really stands out to me as probably being a big, playing a big role in why we uh, sort of associate, you know, women always wearing saris or you know, the men always wearing a, a dhoti, which I mentioned. Um, yeah, I'd say that I'd say the films. 
Yeah. Um, yeah, I think definitely films as you brought that up. Um, because I think that that's quite a big thing. Bollywood is quite a big thing, isn't it? Um, oh, Bollywood, yeah, it's massive, I, massive. I think going back to what we spoke about last week with India being a developing country, I think that's why it surprised me a little bit more because you see the people in Bollywood, you see the people who are famous coming from India, and that's just not something that I would attribute to, you know, a, a developing country. So I do think that plays a massive role. Yeah. And then we'll go on to talk about um, more about the survey that we did um, before we started this this series on India. Um, again, talking so talking about arranged marriages, which I think we might have touched upon a little bit um, before, but we'll we'll talk in more detail today. So, the results of the survey showed that while arranged marriages aren't the first thing that comes to mind for most people when they think of India, they do attribute it as being a part of Indian society and that they're very much aware of it. So. I just wanted to sort of ask, firstly, are arranged marriages something that you yourself attribute to India? Yeah, personally, um, I'm sure arranged marriages exist all around the world and we'll talk about that. But it does. Yeah, it is something that I attribute to India. And, um, you know, from what I hear from other people as well, it, it is something that they attribute to India as well. I think I think more so when I was younger that I sort of. Yeah attributed arranged marriages to, to India not so much nowadays I think I don't know why that is but I definitely can think when I was younger that I had some sort of understanding of um, or awareness that there there is this idea of arranged marriages in India um, but yeah more, nowadays I, it's not something that comes to mind really when I first think of of India I don't know why that is maybe it's because I've been to India now and I've got all these different other perspectives to think about and things I've learned about um but in terms of this topic, like, does it make you feel uncomfortable, you know, or if so, why? And do you think it's because of a, a culture clash is in you don't want to seem, seem to sort of be endorsing it potentially? Yeah, it, like I was thinking about that. It does make me feel a little bit uncomfortable. And I do think that this is like one of those examples when we were talking about how the Western world sees these countries differently. And I think there's a massive way in terms of, you know, well, you know, marriage is a is a, a, a tradition, a custom in every country in a way, isn't it? Um, but uh, the way in which they do it in India, not just in terms of arranged marriages, but just the weddings themselves, um, yeah. they, they are very different. And it is um, in great contrast to how we do it here in the UK. And I'm sure a lot of other countries in the world, like, again, US and Canada, who are probably a little bit more like the UK and again I think it's that natural thing that subconscious thing of if it's different it is bad you know um and I think because people aren't very educated on it they do just think or arranged marriages that's awful and I think we'll go on to talk about it but I think a lot of people subconsciously when you say arranged marriages think that it's child marriages um Mm -hmm. and I think that's that's the main thing there so when you educate yourself on it I think it's easier to see more holistic view and think okay like you know wouldn't endorse that here in the UK you know wouldn't definitely wouldn't endorse it in a lot of in you know a lot of situations but we'll go on to see that in a lot of cases it's people will prefer it and um, yeah you know but I think you don't want to be seen endorsing it because there's a lot of people who aren't educated on it and yeah Mm-hmm. That, I think that's why that's why it's more uncomfortable than anything yeah I, I think um especially from my sort of I guess perspective as well I don't know enough about arranged marriages and 
um, why it's the case since since for how long has it been the case you know I, I don't know enough about it to like offer like a really strong opinion um, and I was just thinking back really about when I first sort of understood or, or knew of the idea of arranged marriages and it was actually a film called Bend It Like Beckham um, I think it was probably filmed 15 maybe more years ago now um, and it was a film I watched when I was younger and they had like a, an idea of like an arranged marriage in that so that's probably the first the first time I came across the idea of, of, um, of the arranged marriages but yeah like I said before it's not something that I particularly think about now really um, in terms of when I you know like this whole podcast is about the first thing you think of it's for sure not the first thing I think of um, and like I said, I think it's because I, th I think of so many other things to India because there's so much to India as a country. And I, we've we've you know touched on a lot of those things over the past you know couple of weeks with our episodes on India. But um, yeah, it's something that I need to educate myself more on to be able to give more of an opinion, if that makes sense. Um, but you mentioned child marriages and, and we'll move on to that now. Um, so again, a bit of sort of uh, context before we, we sort of have a, a conversation about it. So. Child marriages are declining and they are deemed unlawful in India. So the term arranged marriage now increasingly refers to marriages between consenting adults. The legal age of marriage is 21 years for men and 18 years for women. Does this surprise you? Would you have expected the age to be lower, especially comparing it to that of the UK, for example? I'm not too sure, but I'm sure like um, you can get married in the UK at 16, can't you, with parental consent? I believe so, yeah. And then yeah. it's 18 without any, I think. Yeah, I think um, so. So I would have, again, because of stereotypes linked to arranged marriages, I would have thought that the legal age would have been lower. I mean, I don't know if you can have it with parental consent lower, but, you know, 21 years for men, that's three years later than what you could do with a parental consent here in the UK. And I think with a lot of, um, you know, stereotypes existing around marriage in India, I, I would have thought that it would be lower and possibly even lower than the UK so it, it, I do find it surprising that it's higher yeah I agree I'm, I'm I'm a little bit surprised as well that it's 21 and for men and 18 for women like you said because um I guess what we know somewhat so far about um arranged marriages and, and I mean I didn't know anything about about child marriages but obviously the term arranged marriages is quite a, a common term right when thinking about um, you know marriage in, well, not all marriages but some marriages in in India um, so yeah I think it does surprise me um, the fact it is 21 and 18 um, you know for men and women respectively so um, yeah but again it's not something I've really thought of so again this is like learning I'm learning about this for the not the first time I'm, I'm sure we've I've just I've been aware of arranged marriages like I said but it's not something I've ever really had a conversation about so it's, it's, I mean, it's interesting. Um, and, and do you think that most people attribute arranged marriages to child marriages? Yeah, I touched on that a little bit, didn't I? And I think a lot of people do. Um, I think it might, again, be subconscious. And if you're to ask someone um, when talking about arranged marriage, then if you're to ask them, are you thinking of child marriage? They probably would say no. But I think it's that other stereotype with India that's kind of been um, ingrained in us. So it's more subconscious now. And I do think a lot of people think of child marriages or I think they might think of um, kind of the more sensational headlines that we see in the media I mean it's a very sad story and it's it's not to do with India particularly I think it was Pakistan but it's still on the topic of arranged marriages and unfortunately there was this um, young woman who didn't she I think it was two men who wanted to marry her um, but she didn't want 
to marry them and I think it might have been an arranged marriage um, but you see stories like this I guess with um, India as well um, and unfortunately they killed her and it, it you know, obviously often it's so sad um, but obviously those are the type of things that are going to be shown in the media aren't they Um, yeah it's it's a sensational headline and I think we kind of see that and of course it's shocking isn't it and it's shocking because it's in you know distinct uh it's a distinct difference isn't it from our own culture so it's going to be even more shocking because it's a culture shock in a way isn't it and I think a lot of people then um they kind of think that it's all like that Mm -hmm. yeah it's like you said about the the role of the media which I guess I mean we started this whole podcast talking about the role of the media and um, you know, they 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 broadcast and talk about, you know, things they think people are going to click on or watch. And um, I mean, that's an awfully sad, you know, example that you, you've just said. And um, it's yeah, I mean, going back to the question of do you think, you know, do I think most people that attribute arranged marriages to child marriages? I wouldn't have attributed the arranged marriages to child marriages. Um, and I think that's just because of my lack of education, to be completely honest. Um like I said, it's not, this is not something I've really particularly thought, thought much about. Um, and I've, you know, I didn't know, for example, the legal age of, of marriage is 21 years for men and 18 for women. So, um, yeah, I don't know enough about it really to, um, like I said, to offer like a, a strong opinion. Um, I think my lack of education would put me in a position of, um, you know, just not being aware of exactly what, what goes on and everything. And not just what goes on now, but obviously like the deep rooted history to it all. And like, why, like, finding out why you know and why and and when um and what it essentially means um so yeah it's a complex issue isn't it um and not I don't think arranged marriages have spoken about too much in like the media or things like that it's potentially like films like I said films and um well yeah I can't think of anything more than films really from what I've seen in my experience of, of arranged marriages being covered as like a topic is there anywhere else you've seen, like at school, did you ever learn about arranged marriages? Like in, I'm trying to think what it could be in, in like, in like RS, religious education, um, religious studies, religious, religious education. I certainly yeah. don't think I did. Personally, I think that this is a type of topic that because it's so different from our own culture, that you only need to see it in the media once or twice for it to affect your view, personally. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Like, um, like the example that I gave, that's something that's always going to stick in your mind, isn't it? You're never going to yeah. forget that. No, it's not something that you can forget because it's so, you know, it's so shocking and so awful. You know, um, you know, a, a woman lost her life because of, um, you know, it being associated to, you know, obviously arranged an arranged marriage. And um, yeah, I mean, it, it's, I think like we were saying earlier, because it's so different to what we have here, it's hard to sort of get your head around it you know what I mean like to like fully understand yeah everything associated with arranged marriages like I said I'd like what I keep going back to the the why when what it what it really entails um so yeah and I found interesting as well I think it just kind of uh puts it into perspective that 55 percent of the marriages that occur in the world are arranged marriages um and the rate of arranged marriages in India is 90 percent um generally in an arranged marriage the man is usually four and a half years older than the woman um in in that relationship but what surprised me the most is that 55 percent of the marriages in the world are arranged I can't believe that 
Is that just me? I, I, yeah. I, I can't believe that over half of the marriages that occur in the world are arranged. That I'm really taken aback by that. Do you honest. think that we have this wrong idea of what an arranged marriage is and that's why we're surprised by it? Potentially, yeah, I think so. I think so. You know, 90%, the rate of arranged marriages in India is 90%. That's like the overwhelming majority are arranged marriages. I mean, I'm, I am taken aback, to be honest. I didn't think these figures would be as high as they are. And also as well, in India, as we said, you know, 90% are arranged marriages, but the divorce rate is only 1%. Really? Yeah, which I think there, there must be, we must have this misconception of what arranged marriages are. There must be. So. Yeah, yeah, I think so. I mean, wow, the divorce rate, I mean... I think, I don't know what the divorce rate in the UK is, but it's definitely higher than 1%. I'm sure of that. I mean, um, there could be many factors in that. Like, unfortunately, you've got to think, are they able to get out of that marriage? You know? Yeah. Um, yeah. That that can obviously be something, like, we can't say this for sure, but I guess you could say that about any, any marriage, you know? Um, but, you know, just so that we're not kind of, you know, I guess it's that thing of like we don't want to be seen endorsing something do we because it's difficult isn't it because there's people who aren't educated on it and just have that natural reaction to it and again you know we're not in India so we don't know the ins and outs of how this works and you know there's going to be people who have good experiences going to be people who have bad experiences and it's it's that one thing you you just don't want to be seen endorsing not that no it's like it's not something that you endorse anyway do you get what I mean but it, it is just it's a it's a it's a difficult thing to kind of talk about isn't it yeah it is and I think having conversations like this is um can only be be a good thing in terms of just educating not just ourselves but anyone who's listening about you know the statistics in themselves and just again talking more generally about arranged marriages and the, the role that plays within India and society nowadays, but not just nowadays, but, um, you know, for a, a long time, I'm, I'm sure. Um, but yeah, I mean, wow, I, I genuinely am taken aback by not just the, the statistic about in India, but around the world, you know, 55% of marriages being arranged, you know, around the world. Um, that in itself has, has really shocked me. I, I'm very surprised um, by that but again here's some 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 more information so in 2009 uh, the results of a, sur- of a survey carried out by a matchmaking site indicated that part of the reason arranged marriages still occur is because young indians prefer taking this route more than half of respondents said that they preferred arranged marriages while just 18 percent favored the love marriage option again does this surprise you that is honestly um because and I'm not even speaking from knowing someone who's told me this or, or seeing it, but I think we naturally have this thing of why would you want to be in an arranged marriage? Do you get what I mean? And yeah. just to, to hear that they prefer it, it's like, really? Why would you? But then we are not really in that position of where we know enough to tell someone, why would you want to do that? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, it's, yeah. I feel like it's one of those things we're having a conversation about it is definitely like, like I said, really important but because it's just so different to what we know I, f- I feel like I almost can't give a 
you know, a, a really big opinion on it because it's it's not um, it's not really my place to, if that makes sense, because I don't understand, again, the ins and outs of of why and what it entails and and for how long this has been the case in India. Um, yeah, I just feel like it, it's it's something that I can talk about just generally in terms of understanding it. But in terms of giving an, an opinion on it, I don't think I'm in a place to because I'm it's not anything that I've ever sort of come across before or been, um, you know, I haven't really, I haven't even talked to anyone personally about arranged marriages. I've never spoken to an Indian person about it. It's never come up as a topic. So um, it'd be really interesting actually to find out the perspective of someone who, who lives in India. Um, yeah. What their perspective is on, on it all. Yeah. And I found it interesting to kind of see, what they go off you know how they choose this because again it's something that's so different from our society that I can only off the top of my head I can only even begin to think of what they go off you know um so both men and women the individual's parents or older family members um it's sort of the right word to use but they screen for and uh, find perspective mates for further consideration through the social circle their community or by advertising matrimonial websites on newspapers um so when the families are looking for someone suitable they consider um qualities such as religion uh, the mother tongue um the is it case is that how you say it I've yeah it cast, case cast. Yeah. yeah the diet so whether they're vegetarian non-vegetarian um yeah which I thought was interesting like I, I couldn't begin to imagine doing that here the personal values so whether they classify themselves as traditional moderate or liberal uh this is might be uh a what's it called I've got the word a controversial one um so their complexions whether they're very fair uh just fair um or white or dark their height and build in which field um they are currently employed in whether they will prefer to continue with work after marriage and also their their horoscope details <laughs> oh my goodness well I mean wow there's a lot to this right a lot to um to this I mean I feel bad even just saying like selection process it sounds really <laughs> odd right obviously because it's so different um yeah I mean it, it I don't really know what to say to be honest it, this, it's quite controversial like a lot of those yeah this doesn't even work in the UK because honestly you go through half of those and there wouldn't be anyone left that would you know take on <laughs> first of all there's not enough people <laughs> so, I I, I I wonder how uh, how strict they are to this, whether they sort of have a couple of the things that tick the boxes or whether they uh, they want to find someone that ticks all the boxes. I, I mean, like, again, I don't know. Um, but yeah, there's a lot to this. I feel like I'm now f- understanding the arranged marriages a bit more now because I know what there's a bit, I know more deeper to, to it in terms of what people are looking for and, this seeming sort of tick list which it seems very weird to even say um you know people getting oh are they a vegetarian okay tick are they uh, are they employed in i don't know tourism tick i don't know you know it's it sounds just yeah i mean it's so different to what we know isn't it and i think that's the main thing um yeah about it all yeah that's the thing isn't it like i just 
I couldn't imagine half of these but like what you said is and I think it's important to keep in mind that you know it's it's so easy for us to list here and say all of these things that this is what to keep in mind but you know I every one of them going to want to tick all of these boxes you together what I mean like that's important yeah. to keep keep in mind obviously because you know we're talking generally we're not talking for every I can't I can't remember the the, the population of India again but it's big <laughs> you know over over a billion yeah. yeah all of those over a billion people um are they going to follow this you know to the T probably not just as we wouldn't if it was part of our culture yeah no no definitely um should we move on to on to Diwali? Yeah. Yeah. So, um, I mean, the first question I guess we sort of wanted to ask each other was, you know, how much how much would you say you know about Diwali? Honestly, I, I don't think I know much. I've obviously heard of the word, but if you were to ask me about it, I wouldn't know about it. But, you know, like with any country, a festival uh, of festivals are, are massive to their identity their culture and it also often yeah. says a lot about their history and their way of life isn't it so yeah I would assume that it's, it's obviously got something to do with maybe their history their religion yeah. but I wouldn't be able to say much specifically about it yeah I mean the 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 only reason that I know a little bit about Diwali um, is because my neighbours are, are Hindu um, and um, and when I was younger um, and even I mean still in the last couple of years we'd always give my neighbors like a card to like just like say oh like they're celebrating Diwali um because obviously like just how we would send Christmas cards right like with that being you know um you know Christmas being a a religious time um you know Diwali is a is a very important religious time for um you know Hindu Sikhs and Jains across the world so yeah we'd always send my neighbors um a card basically saying like happy Diwali um and that's the only reason I know a little bit about the the uh the festival so that the festival of light um so just from having yeah sort of people around me that that celebrate it um but I'll, I'll give some sort of context to Diwali and a bit more information so Diwali is the five-day festival of lights celebrated by millions of Hindus Sikhs and Jains across the world Diwali, which for some also coincides with harvest and New Year celebrations, is a festival of new beginnings and the triumph of good over evil and light over darkness. The festival is usually sometime between October and November, with the date changing each year as it is determined by the position of the moon. In 2020, it it began on the uh, Thursday 12th of November and lasted for five days, with the main day of celebrations taking place on Saturday the 14th of November. People often think of Diwali as a Hindu festival, but it is also celebrated by Sikhs and Jains, as well as some Buddhists, notably newer Buddhists. The word Diwali, or Deepavali, as it's sometimes called, means row of lights in an ancient language of India called Sanskrit. During this festival, people decorate their homes with lights and oil lamps called Diyas. For many people, Diwali honours the Hindu goddess of wealth, Lakshma, La- sorry, Lakshmi. The lights and lamps are said to help Lakshmi find her way into people's homes, bringing prosperity in the year to come. Really interesting. Did you, yeah. were you aware of the significance of the festival? I personally was surprised by that it's not just for for Hindus. Yeah, um, me too. Me too. And that it's just, you know, was it Sikhs, Jains and some part, some sections of Buddhism? Um, yes. Yeah, yeah. I, didn't, I didn't know that and I wouldn't have, have thought that, to be honest. Yeah, I mean, it it, uh, it sounds like a beautiful festival, you know, the Festival of Light. Um, and, um, 
you know, the religious obviously significance, you know, the lights and lamps are said to help Lashmi find her way into people's homes, bringing prosperity in the year to come. Um, but yeah, like, like you said, I was surprised it, it wasn't just celebrated by Hindus. Um, that's completely my lack of education, um, completely. Um, but yeah, it, it's, it's a big part of, uh, you know, festivals in India, of course. Um, and it's so nice that, um, you know, although I've, I've never lived in India, I've been there for a month, but I've still understood Diwali and um, somewhat known about it each year because of, of my neighbours. Um, so that in itself, I think is fantastic and um, shows the diversity of, of, of the UK, I think, you know, in terms of, you know, my neighbours, um, you know, celebrating uh, Diwali and um, they'd always say, you know, happy Christmas um, to me and my family. And I think that's fantastic, isn't it? You know, having yeah. people around you celebrating different festivals and celebrating um, each other's festivals, really. Um, and uh, yeah, just being respectful and um, understanding more about it, um, which, yeah, I think is fantastic. Obviously, this is a festival which is very traditional, isn't it? Because it's very in with the religion, um, you know, the, the history, you know, it says here, um, the word Diwali comes, um, means row of lights in an ancient language of India, it's called Sanskrit. So it's it's a very, I think I'd be right in assuming that it's quite an ancient kind of tradition, I guess. It's, it's not something yeah. that I guess would have come about over these last few decades. Um, and I feel like that's another thing which is in distinct comparison to our country. Um, you know, I know from hearing a lot of people, you know, um, unfortunately, this is not my view at all, I've got to say. But I have heard some people saying like, um, oh, the reason that coronavirus is so bad in India is because um, you know, they have to celebrate all of their festivals and, it, you know, it has to be done and that is why it's so bad. Um, and I think the reason why some people have that view is because we can't understand that way of life and how traditional it is. Do you understand yeah. what I mean? Yeah, yeah, I completely, I completely understand. And, um, you know, for, for, for people in, in India, you know, religion is a massive part of their lives. Like we've talked about, you know, I think it was a couple of weeks ago massive part of their lives and um and for them the festivals are of utmost importance and for someone you know here in the UK who's not particularly religious I think that might be quite hard to understand but I think it just should be respected you know that someone is following their religion in a very strong way and wants to be a part of all the festivals and all the customs and traditions and um and that is that that's that that for them is is really important um like I've said you know in the past I, I'm not particularly you know religious but I can still you know appreciate people who do follow religions and I can appreciate their their wanting to follow the festivals and be a part of them and obviously the pandemic has thrown so many obstacles and challenges to so much in the world um, and obviously religion being one of those in terms of being able to celebrate um, events throughout the year and festivals and obviously here in the UK you know obviously um, you know Christmas was um this well obviously with the government they were sort of saying oh you can meet we found you for Christmas and you can't and um obviously it's just been been Ramadan uh, very recently um and they've uh, just been uh, celebrating I think it's Eid um and they've finished Ramadan and I'm sure that's been you know very impacted by the pandemic and people not being able to gather and meet and meet with family and friends so a lot of religious festivals have been impacted by the pandemic so 
um is definitely something that it's being talked about a lot isn't it i guess the role of the pandemic within um you know gatherings of people and obviously festivals you know depending on whatever religion it may be um usually involves the, the gathering of people and people coming to celebrate and be with, with family and friends so the pandemic has definitely had um a big impact on that overall yeah and as as you said you know it's something that we can understand because i couldn't imagine such a traditional festival taking place here in the UK I mean I'm sure we have you know traditional festivals but I don't think they are in the same way as we see here in India Mm -hmm. yeah no definitely there's there's a big difference um to to be be aware of I'd say yeah yeah so moving on now to Holi which is I think is a festival that some people have a bit more basic knowledge on personally yeah, I mean, I'm going to be somewhat controversial and say the opposite. I, I'd say I knew more about Diwali than um, than about Holly. Um, I don't know why, but I think it might be because of my, um, <clears throat> excuse me, I think it might be because of potentially my neighbours and just me knowing about, yeah. about Diwali. Um, but yeah, do you want to sort of talk to us about, about Holly? Yeah, just about that, I think it's more so because I'm thinking in terms of the colours. People just think, oh yeah, when they throw all the colours at each other, I think that might just be the thing that stands out to people. I don't think they know the ins and outs of it. I think they just see it and think, oh, that looks cool. Yeah, I mean, now you mention obviously like the, it's a festival where they like, they like throw the paint, right? Like the coloured. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's coming to me now. Yeah, maybe it's because I didn't associate that to it being called Holly. I don't know why I I, I didn't, but um, I mean, yeah, it's a from... I'm just trying to think back to to you know being at school and studying like um, religious education, and it's bringing me back to to being at school and like uh, studying some of these sort of festivals and traditions. Um, but do you want to sort of talk to us, give some context to to Holy as a as a festival? Yeah, wait a minute. How do we say it again? Is it Holy or Holly? Holy. Yeah, we'll holy. just go with that. Go oh, Holy. Holy. Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Uh, so Holi has been um, celebrated in the Indian subcontinent for centuries um, with poems uh, documenting celebrations dating back to the 4th century CE. It marks the beginning of spring after a long winter, so it's symbolic of the triumph of good over evil. It is celebrated in March, which corresponds with the Hindu uh, calendar month of, of Falguna. I probably said that wrong again, but I think... Think it might be the Hindu New Year. Um, there are varying accounts. Uh, there are varying accounts of uh, Holly's origin mentioned in several works of ancient Indian literature. According to one popular version of the story, an evil king became so powerful that he forced his subjects to worship him as their god. Um, but to the king's, oh my god, Aya, have I said that wrong? Aya. Yeah, Aya. Yeah, I think it's Aya. But to the king's, um, Aya, his son. Pralada continued to be an an ardent devotee of the Hindu deity Lord uh, Vishnu and the angry king uh, plotted with his sister Holika to kill his son and Holika who was immune to his fire tricked uh, Pralada to sit in a a pyre with her and when the pyre was lit the boy's devotion to Lord Vishnu helped him walk away unscathed while Holika from whom the festival derives its name um, was burned to death despite her immunity I've got to be honest these podcasts really test my reading ability 
<laughs> yeah, there's there's some some words and, and phrases that are um different, we'll say different. Um, but yeah, no, your your pronunciation's all good, all good. <laughs> so yeah, I mean it's it's evident through here, isn't it, how um how traditional these festivals are and how deep rooted they are in the Indian society and culture. Yeah, oh for sure. And I, I think it's so important, you know, not not just for myself, you know, being selfish in, in my education and learning of all of this but I think for the listeners it's going to be so interesting um, I think maybe a lot of people had maybe associated again like I mentioned or and you as well you know holy to um what it entails you know the throwing of the paint of, of the different of the different colored paint but actually finding out the the history behind it and the religious uh, and historical significance of it really helps to provide just more context to it doesn't it um, and understand the significance of why it's such an important festival for uh for people you know who celebrate it yeah I mean it's just so clear isn't it and it's so clear to see what stands up to me is the biggest festivals are Hindu aren't they and although it's um you know very religiously diverse country as we've spoken about there there does seem to be that more favoritism towards Hinduism and I think that's that's clear through these two festivals that we looked at and I'm sure there's many 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 more festivals um in mm-hmm. India yeah. but these ones which I would say are the ones that the two ones that I would be able to name and probably the two ones that most people would be able to name they're they're Hindu yeah no definitely and I think it, what's really interesting is to um just think of festivals as a, as a whole it's been interesting for me to um just sort of think about when I think of festival what do I think of and you know, for, for India, I, I do think of these big festivals that involve lots of people and they're a big part of, of the year, really, you know, for um for Indian people. So I think getting some context to it all has definitely helped me understand the significance, really, for Indian people about these festivals and, and why they celebrate them. Yeah, so we've kind of looked at the history behind it. Do you know when to say a bit about how the festival is actually celebrated? Mm-hmm. Yep. So on the eve of the festival, large pyres are lit in many parts of India to signify the burning of evil spirits. People often throw wood, dried leaves and twigs into bonfires. On the day of Holi, entire streets and towns turn red, green and yellow as people throw coloured powder into the air and splash them on others. Each colour carries a meaning. Red, for example, symbolises love and fertility, while green stands for new beginnings. People also splash water on each other in celebration. Water guns are used to squirt water, while balloons filled with coloured water are also flung from rooftops. Later in the day, families gather together for festive meals. It is also common to distribute sweets among neighbours and friends. That's so interesting. It's, it's so, yeah, to get like an insight into what the, what the festival actually entails and, you know, the, yeah, what, what, what it really, um, well, what's involved, what's involved. In, um, there's so much to it. Um, and... I love just like the different colours with the different meanings. I think that's yeah. so like interesting, you know, red symbolising love and fertility, whilst green stands for new beginnings. Um, yeah, I, I think that's really fascinating. I think without education, you could just kind of see that that festival that's kind of like nothingness. You get what I mean? Like, oh, they're just throwing colours at each other. But I think yeah. it's so important to to see and to know that it's so much more than that and even within the colours themselves it reminds me a bit of like a an English literature lesson yeah. um you know there's there's meaning behind them oh so I mean it sounds there's it sounds like there's so much meaning and that's why the festival is so important because there's so much meaning on 
on the, on the festival as a whole, but also like the different colors of, of, of the, the colored powder, they, you know, throw it in the air. And um, yeah, it's one thing that, um, one festival that I was a part of really recently in, uh, in Thailand is called Songkran. So it's like the Thai New Year. And um, that was like the biggest water fight I've ever been involved in. There was no sort of throwing of, of colored powder, but it was like a massive water fight. And um, I was on, on the island of Koh Samui and um, it felt, I just felt again, like really grateful to be celebrating it with the Thai people and, um, you know, the local people. And they were so, you know, happy for us to be involved and celebrating it with them. So that's my sort of, I guess, like latest experience I had. I mean, it's a couple of years ago now, but of being a part of such a big festival with such significance. Um, so, yeah, I mean, in terms of like traveling, does that appeal to you to like, you know plan your travels maybe alongside some festivals so you can sort of see the significance yeah personally I would love to um kind of go to Spain during Easter mm -hmm. and yeah you know they got very interesting things that they do there let's just say that <laughs> some of yeah. them um, yeah, yeah, yeah. and I'd love to see that but the one problem there is obviously it gets a bit more expensive um yeah. you know things like that um and it would do around the festival time you know hopefully maybe um when I go my year abroad uh hopefully it'll coincide with uh, Easter then and uh, you know yeah like that but definitely it, it unfortunately does come with its downsides but you know if you are able to uh, I I definitely would yeah and I, I personally I would love to to see how this is actually celebrated in India like firsthand mm -hmm. yeah and we'll, we'll we'll finish up by sort of talking about the celebration of Holi outside of India, which again is, you know, incredibly important to talk about. So Holi has become increasingly popular outside of India, in large part because of the millions of Indians and other South Asians living all over the world. As with Diwali, another Indian festival, communities with South Asian heritage living abroad often get together to celebrate Holi. However, some commercial Holi events have faced criticism of cultural appropriation. Many have complained about the gimmicky nature of some events and colour marathons organised in the US and Europe. Critics accuse organisers of co-opting the famous coloured powder used in Holi, while ignoring the religious significance of the festival and just turning it into another raucous party. Do you think this is a bad thing? Do you think that commercialisation makes these types of festivals lose their true meaning? I think one way in which we can kind of understand this is like kind of, I think, through Christmas, which has become, it's, it's a religious festival, obviously, but it's become increasingly commercialised um, yeah. everywhere. Um, What's coming to mind for me is uh, someone wrote in the magazine about how Christmas is celebrated in Senegal, um, which is just, you know, shows how they're quite known for being open and respectful towards uh, quite a lot of religions there. But a lot of people have seen it as a way to make more money and commercialise it. And, mm -hmm. you know, it's, I guess it's good in a way, but then on the other side is these festivals were made to, be commercialized and obviously as we've seen through both of the festivals that we've spoken about today is that there's a there's a lot more of a deeper meaning behind them and it does raise that thing of does commercialization stop that and also I guess the thing through commercialization is you're going to get a lot of people who will celebrate it that aren't actually in this case Indian or or Hindu or any of the other religions that celebrate any of these festivals you've spoken about today and in a way of course that is that is good isn't it because it's more um 
it I guess it triggers to be yourself to be more open to other cultures and countries um but then as well if you've got people who are just doing it because of the effect of this commercialization are they doing it because they understand the culture and the traditions and the history behind it are they just doing it because they think it looks good yeah that that's the thing isn't it you know what for what reasons are people celebrating it if they're not um you know part of the religion or um, I guess the identity of, of the festival um I personally think it's a great thing for people who are not following the uh, festival for in a religious way to still be a part of it I think there's a, there's a line isn't there there's a line with commercialization I think maybe sometimes the line is crossed um and like you said I, I guess the, the the example we can maybe potentially understand a bit more is Christmas and just how commercial and commercialized it's become um you know in, in recent in recent times um but I think it's great for people other people to celebrate festivals that aren't necessarily connected to the religious side of it but yeah like I said I think there's a line isn't there um and you want to just be respectful and um you know be supportive of of the, the you know of the people around you that are religious and um are celebrating it for um yeah for, for the religious you know significance and, and reasons um but yeah, I think it's like I said, like you know, with me in in Thailand celebrating Songkran, you know, I, I'm I'm not Thai, like I, I it wasn't my New Year, but we were still a part of it, and we were really welcomed by the local people, and they they were, you know, they were, seemed really happy that we were involved in it and um, wanted to celebrate with them. So I think it's really nice for lots of different cultures and religions to celebrate, you know, all together. But there's a line, isn't there, with with commercialization, and I think potentially sometimes that line is crossed yeah obviously again it goes back to that motivation isn't it like I'm sure when you went to Thailand you weren't doing it because I don't know I can't think of like because like you know of what you get out of it in terms of I'm thinking more of Christmas now you know like get the presents out of it and stuff like that wouldn't you (laughs) um you know I'm sure like you wouldn't have done it for reasons like like that of what you get out of it in that sense but more so for the culture isn't it um Mm -hmm and immersing yourself in that and respecting the people's cultures and that is obviously the way to do it um so yeah it just does go down to motivation and i've got something here of some as you said some people argue that widening the appeal of these festivals is good for cultural understanding so um a man who organizes uh, holy festivals in the us he says he dismisses he dismisses charges of cultural appropriation and says fe- uh, celebrations are instrumental in bringing people of different cultures together and you know again i do have to agree with that um yeah obviously cultural appropriation again i feel uncomfortable talking about that because it's it's controversial nowadays isn't it but i'm just going to yeah. say just in terms of festivals as I guess it goes back to that thing that we we're talking about is the motivation, isn't it? If you're doing it to embrace yourself in that culture and to embrace the people of that culture and learn more about it, I don't see how that can ever be a bad thing as long as it's done respectfully and for the right reasons. Yeah, I was going to sort of highlight on, yeah, if it's being done with with the with the the right intent and good intent and for the right reasons, then I personally think it's great, you know, bringing di- people of different cultures together and, and celebrating together. I think that's that's fantastic. Um, but yeah, it's it's for the right reasons, isn't it? And also sort of not overstepping that line um, in terms of the commercial sort of side of it uh, and people profiting off the festivals. I think that's becoming the, the the issue, isn't it? I guess, well, that is what commercialization is, you know, people profiting off these religious festivals. Um, but 
yeah, I think it's only a great thing to bring people together of different cultures, people from all around the world. Um, and yeah, back to my example of Songkran, you know, that would never have happened if I wasn't in Thailand at the time. And it it is one of the things that I remember most, you know, most fondly about my time in, in, in Thailand was being involved in that in that festival and being involved that night. And um, yeah, the biggest water fire I've ever been a part of. And there was music and people were dancing and it was fantastic. So I'd love to get involved with, with more festivals around the world. If I'm lucky enough to have the opportunity to be in you know a country at the right time in terms of timing it right with different festivals. Um, I'd love to learn more. I'd love to educate myself more about these festivals around the world and um and yeah and be a part of some of them so that is um kind of just wraps up there the last part of India that we'll be looking at in this kind of format of a podcast um I'm sure we're going to come back to different aspects of Indian culture at different times aren't we like just to say like when we finish up a country it's not to say that this is the last time we'll ever speak of it um I'm sure as I go to some of these countries, it'd be interesting to see how, you know, how my perspective has changed and to reflect back on that, isn't it? And I'm sure Mm -hmm. as you go to more countries as well and we talk about those, you know, it's it's a bit cringy, but it's never over when we talk about these countries. There's so much more. Yeah, yeah, of course. Um, Yeah, of course. And just to say then as well, we uh, the next one that we're going back just to do a little bit different is we'll be reflecting back on what we learned about Brazil, um, you know, how it's changed our perspective and things like that. Now it's been, I think it's been about five weeks now since we last spoke about Brazil on here. Um, and we'll be talking about that. Um, yeah, just how our perspective has changed, what we think of Brazil now, and also sharing some of the things that we watched and heard about Brazil ever like since. So that should be interesting, a little bit different. And then we will be moving on to another country, which I'm quite excited about. It's it's difficult to plan what we talk about this country because there's just so much about it and something that's in the news a lot right now. So be very, you know, I think it's very important to show the other side of this country, besides what's shown in the news. And we'll be saying what that is next week uh, when we talk about Brazil. Yeah, so stay tuned, everyone, for uh, yeah the reveal of the next country. Like uh, Olivia said, I'm very yeah, I'm I'm excited to talk about the next country. There's there's a lot to it in many different ways. Um, it'll probably be um, we'll probably have to try and cut it down in terms of how many topics we discuss because there's just so many we could um, pick to discuss. And yeah, I think the the breaking down the stereotypes and the misconceptions of this country are going to be really important, especially like you said with what's in the media at the moment um, and everything that's sort of been going on so yeah just a massive thank you for all the support of the podcast we now have our podcast instagram which uh we'd be so grateful if you could all go and check out on instagram the the at is just the first thing you think of um so yeah check out on instagram we're going to be posting uh well at least a couple of times a week with updates about the podcast and sort of fact fun facts and um yeah lots of different content on the podcast instagram page so definitely go and give that a follow um and yeah, just thank you for all the support. If you could also leave a rating and review on Apple Podcasts, that would be amazing. Um, I think I noticed we've got a couple of reviews at the moment or a couple of ratings. So that's that's fantastic. So thank you so much. It really helps get the podcast out to as many people as possible. Um, so yeah, super grateful and see you guys next week.